I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Red Side of the Trent, where we finally have our first league away win for you at the night for 10th this season, after Forest overcame Southampton 1-0 at St Mary's Stadium last night, which now means that Forest have not only lost two of the last 10 in all competitions, which is pretty good form when you think about it, but we have leapt out of the relegation zone, now able to gasp and after being submerged in the water for so long. We now sit in the lofty heights of 15th. How about that? I'm joined, as always, by Lee Clark, Adam Wicklow and Reese Lane. And Lee, we'll start with you. So it was an unchanged 11 for the, for the Southampton game, obviously coming straight after the Chelsea game, only a few days rest. Was that something that you would have done or would you have maybe looked to shake the pack a little bit? Yeah, I think it had to be an unchanged 11. I think um, the way we played in the second half was always going to... You know, it wasn't like we made any changes in the second half to get that performance. It was more of a a bit of a rousing team talk that that got the same eleven players doing something a little bit different. So I think um, I think Cooper was was always going to stick with that eleven, um, and yeah, it seemed to work for us. I think um, I wouldn't say it was quite as it wasn't quite as um, not that the second half performance against Chelsea was gung ho, but it was a little bit more. We, we played with a little bit more intent. I don't think we. We were quite as um, energetic, shall we say? I think we we still wanted to remain um, pretty cautious uh, with our build-up play and maybe hit him on the counter last night, um, as you would do because the game was essentially nil-nil. Whereas we had forty-five minutes to kind of rescue the Chelsea game. So, um, yeah, I was quite impressed to see that. It, it's nice to kind of everyone's getting a little bit sick of the whole. Well, how do you know who to play? Because he signed twenty-three players. Well, the summer was a long time ago now, um, and I think. Um, it was nice to see us, you know, stick with the same the same players that did so well on Sunday. No, for sure. I mean, that is obviously the only time this season we have actually stuck with Manchester Eleven, and you know, perhaps fairly so as well. I mean, obviously, as, as you just touched upon, Cooper's had to, you know, try and figure out his best team, try and figure out a certain team for certain situations. You know, but yeah, it's nice. I mean, it was, I think it's refreshing as well that even though we had a short run. I mean, one thing I've noticed. 
I never really used to believe that like everyone's used to say, oh, the intensity of the Premier League is so much higher sort of thing. Like, and there's us like the AFL thing, well, we play eight extra games than you, so get over it. But now we're actually up here, I really do actually understand that, yeah, the intensity is so much more and it does drain so much more from you. So it was, even though despite it was a short little gap between, it was good that um, I think he stuck with the same team and showed faith in that. So yeah, Adam, obviously things started, despite the intensity level, it start off in the best manner. It's fair to say that we were a little bit sluggish getting out of the blocks and we very nearly went a goal behind when a simple ball over the top, which is quite concerning, exploited both Worrell and Bolly and um, Ilkston legends, as Reese called him, Tay Adams, went bearing down on goal. But thankfully for us, he just shanks it close to the corner flag. I mean, I, I at that point, it was one of those sort of moments for me where I was like, all right, we've got a good chance here. Like, if, if our striker's doing that, Jesus Christ, like, at any point in the game. Um, how did you, what did you make of the, the, the build-up to that? And, well how we got so vulnerable so quickly I guess and obviously the let off that ensued afterwards I mean it was a little bit alarming that they they got in so easily but I think luckily after that they, they didn't really like do anything they didn't really split us open too much not like what we were doing to them to be honest and I mean I went to watch Ilkeston with Reese over the Christmas period and um, there's better finishing down there than the what Jay Adams <laughs> produced last night I mean that was abysmal and you think every Premier League striker in this division gets that chance? That's that's hitting the back of the net, isn't it? And, At least it's a target. Kind of, At least it's kind a of target. Count, yeah. count your lucky lucky stars that that he's that it was such a bad effort. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Like I literally just turned and thinking that it was it's a goal, isn't it? So we got we got lucky. You have to get lucky in in these sort of spots, especially in these games where they're at the bottom and they're our our bread and butter really for this season if we're going to stay up. So. We can count our lucky stars a little bit, but that's just how football goes. I mean, we we take our chance a little bit later on, obviously, as we're going to get into. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in fact, thankfully, we did. I mean, there's, as all come on, there's only one shot on target all game. It ended up in the back of their net, but that's fine by me. Um, however, there very nearly was a second one, Reese, when because shortly after that, Adam's effort, Forrest very quickly went down the other end and put together a fairly good move. Obviously, where Gibbs White cut it back to Yates. I thought Yates was going to... I'm still not sure if it was a shot or a pass, but we'll call it a pass just to be nice to him. And it finds Johnson um, about eight yards out, who maybe has a little bit more time than he realises and crashes it against the bar. It does seem that... you know, Obviously, we'll cover Johnson a bit more in depth, as you can imagine, but it does seem that maybe he... I don't know. Like, do you think he, he sort of strikes me that he's very desperate for another league goal. Obviously, he hasn't had one since a Bournemouth game, I don't think. And do you think that was maybe in his mind with the ball came to his feet slightly as he sort of maybe snatched at it rather than composed itself. It it reminded me of the um, goal against Manchester City in the FA Cup where 4-0 completely scuffed it and it just hit Earnshaw and went in and like it literally yates it exactly the same, didn't he? Um, yeah, he, he should score. Um, there's no doubt about that. People will say, yeah, he's unlucky because he smashed the bar. Um, but yeah, he should score. Um, really there um, as we'll come on to you know he makes amends doesn't he but um, yeah he should have scored that was a massive chance and you kind of thought from them two chances that it's going to be one of them nights probably for both sides where you know that quality is lacking um, just to touch as well on the Che Adams one I, I watched the highlights before we started I did think he might have been offside so it would have been interesting 
if that's um, he had that's scored. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's something I looked at um, on the highlights, but obviously on the highlights, he did look a bit offside, like it, as if his shoulder had just gone. So that would have been interesting had he scored. I mean, he should have buried that as well. That was a let off at each side. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a shame because, you know, we... we We've not given him a bit of stick. I mean, you know, the debate that this debate of obviously the past from Chelsea gamers, you know, it's been all over Twitter. And, you know, we're all big fans of Brennan Johnson. You know, last season, he, you know, I think Adam says about the most improved player, the improvement of him was crazy, really. Um, we all want to see him back amongst the goals. And it was lovely to see as we'll come on to the run um, and the assist he got for Tyro. So, yeah, but he should have scored that one. Yeah, I think that's a fair that's a fair point. I mean, hopefully, um, Arthur's performance gets a bit more confidence and can sort of take that in because he does seem not that he's necessarily lacking confidence, but I just think he is maybe snatching his chances somewhat towards the end. But yeah, again, hopefully that sort of reassures him that he can compete at this level. Lee, we spoke about before the game how integral it was to our chances that we didn't give Southampton any free kicks in any sort of like shooting territory. And <laughs> not long after, you know, the incident with Joe, uh, the crossbar, Yates somewhat clumsily gives away a free kick, edge of the box, about 20, 25 yards out. I mean, it lifted the whole Saints fan. You'd hear them like give, going into their War Prow song and doing a whole sort of like the Iceland clap thing to try and get things going. But um, thankfully for us, obviously, ballooned over the bar. But one thing I wanted to point out to you was Gibbs White. I don't know if you noticed. Um, so he. Just when War Prowse was eyeing things up, he decided to run back like you do on FIFA. He ran back to the goal line and sort of acted as like, you know, almost like another sort of uh, post, if you like. And then the Saints players didn't really know what to do. So they sort of, obviously, because they weren't offside anymore, they all sort of pushed in. And then it almost like War Prowse is in two sort of minds. He was so set on something and then saw that and then reverted back to it. Do you reckon that had anything to do with him maybe missing like that opportunity? Because, I mean, as we've seen so often, like, give the um, ball to more prowls on the outside of the box like that from a free kick. It's basically a penalty. Yeah, it was, it was quite clever. I did, I did watch the game. Um, yeah, it was clever. Um, I can't remember if Bertles gave us a pearl of wisdom when he did that. Um, he was on commentary on the stream I was watching. Um, I know he's got some stick for it as well, but he, I actually think he's okay. He's just very old-fashioned in, in some of his opinions. But um, yeah, maybe it did. Maybe it did impact him a little bit because I think... When you're that good at free kicks, you will practice them day in, day out, but you will practice them probably with just a keeper uh, and and the dummies that they put there, you know, to act as the wall. So I'm not sure you'll you'll practice too many situations where you've got someone running onto the line, purely because, as we saw, it just causes chaos with the rest of your teammates. And I think as he's running up to have all that movement and everything going on, um, it it must have had some sort of impact because it, it was absolutely miles away with it. It wasn't even close. Um, and like you said in the last pod, Christian, it, when the whistle goes and it's a free kick from that distance, it, it is like a penalty. Is that good at them? Um, so yeah, I don't know if it was something that we'd worked on or if it was just a like an impromptu thing for for Gibbs White to think to do. But yeah, it certainly um, it knocked him out of his stride a little bit. So. It'll be interesting to see going forward if, I mean, he, he can't be the first person that's ever tried that with a, a free kick taker as, as good as him, surely. But it will be interesting to see if more do cotton on to it in the future now. Yeah, definitely. It was quite interesting because I saw um, Henderson and Gibbs White afterwards sort of had like a little chat to each other, like, well, obviously we're getting ready for the goal kick. 
And um, as Gibbs White was running back up the pitch, I saw Cooper sort of put his thumb out to him, like, well done. So like, maybe it was something that was planned, who knows. But um, it worked, and that's the main thing, because I'm just glad we didn't do it more than once, put it that way. Um, I mean, we've said we've said before as well, just on that, I mean, I said on the last pod as well, how impressed I was with the intelligence of Gibbs White. Maybe he's not just intelligent with the ball at his feet. Maybe he's, this is... You know, I don't want to over-egg it if it is just a little impromptu thing that he thought, you know what, I'm going to try this. But it's clear that he's always thinking in at both ends of the pitch. So he's clearly a player who reads the game very well, full stop, I think. Definitely, yeah. And as we saw last night, I mean, another brilliant performance from Gizzo of more, which we'll come on to in due course, I'm sure. Thankfully, though, Adam Forrest did, in fact, take the lead. The only goal of the game. I saw some um, football cliches was up in arms because it was described as an opener and a full-time report. And I'm not sure you can have an opener when it's <laughs> like that. But thankfully, I mean, I, a lot's made of the Lianco mistake. But I do think that the way Johnson reads that it's likely to go there and puts the pressure on early so he can actually be in a position to mop up if he does was like, brilliant. And that then... Obviously, he goes down and does what he should have done against Chelsea. He looks up and passes it. I mean, me and you have been on this debate quite intensely on Twitter with um, a number of people who apparently haven't played football very evidently who felt that Thiago Silva did a masterclass and that Johnson shouldn't have passed it, etc., etc., and shot from a stupid angle. But it did seem that he, you know, someone had the word of him and said, you look up, you find someone in a better position than you. That's exactly what happens. And it's almost like, you know, football is a simple game. And Johnson did a simple thing and we scored. What was your thought on the whole move? I thought it was good pressing. Obviously, there's a trigger point there because Tyro only initially makes the 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 press for the, for the mistake to be made, and then Johnson's quick to react. And I think that's why you play this sort of formation where you've got these two wider strikers, and then Gibbs White doing whatever the bloody hell he wants. He can do whatever he wants. He's he's fine, sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? But. It's in a really intelligent run. I mean, at first I thought Johnson had took it too wide. I was thinking, why is he not going one-on-one with Bazzuno? But actually the, the the move he makes is actually very intelligent because he's forcing the defender either to leave him be or make the foul and get sent off potentially or give us a penalty. So it's really clever. And it's a, it's a really well-weighted pass to Tyro One. I mean, he breaks his neck to get there because he's he is a little bit far behind him to, to begin with in the move, isn't he? So fair play. And and Tyro One, I don't... I, I do want to. I do want to like wonder if like during the the period did he get like put in one of those like rooms where he just gets balls pinged at him all all like for eight hours a day because he's suddenly become the striker we've been desperate for. He's absolutely he's brilliant at the moment. I mean, not every touch is is great, but he looks a hell of a lot better than he did at the start of the season. Technically, doesn't he? And four he goals. Does, yeah. He's he's th- three three of his goals this season have equaled in nine points, and that's what more can you ask for? It doesn't matter if you win three or four nil because you still get the same amount of points at the end of the day. Our goal difference is probably not going to make that much of a difference. It's going to be the points won at the end of the day, isn't it, for us to stay up? But brilliant, great trigger press. I mean, we we got the press right against Chelsea. We obviously studied Southampton that bit more. Hopefully that continues now um, going forward, especially away from home where it's it's going to be difficult everywhere we go. So let, let's let's continue it. Definitely. I think another thing that um, I think is overlooked is that the pressure that Salisi puts on Taiwo and, you know, obviously he's still on his shoulder. As you said, Taiwo has to like, like break his neck to try and get to that position. He just shrugs him off. He gets to the ball first and just puts him back in there. I think that's, he, he, there was so much to admire about 
hit that goal and how he positioned himself for being that that pass. I mean, it, the easier chance was in the Chelsea game. If Johnson squares it, there's no there's no one that near Taiwo. If he get the, gets the ball over, he can take a time, take a touch, and whatever else. Whereas that against Saints was, you know, had to be a first time touch. And he had to get there first and make sure that he had no pressure. So, really, really well worked goal all rounds. And I think, yeah, we, like, as we'll touch on, like one nil to Nottingham is getting quite a popular chant these days, isn't it? Um, but obviously, we did have a few other half chances in the rest of the game, Reese. I mean, in the first half, for example, there's a great ball from Lottie into Gibbs White, who then flicks it across the box, and Yates obviously then flicked wide. But um, they were a little bit at a premium, would you say? Did you think that's intentional, or do you think that was just the way we were just managing the game at that point? Um, I think. <laughs> You could tell, I think, at periods that both sides are struggling. You know, they're massively struggling, aren't they, Southampton? Um, I mean, us away from home, you know, let's, let's not beat around the bush before last night. It's been pretty terrible, hasn't it? Um, one thing what I will um, touch on is I just could not believe uh, how toxic their fans was. I'd, I mean, there was literally... I mean, come on. I know I don't like Nathan Jones at all, but he's had, what, has it been there, four games? They literally, I don't think they sung a song all night. There was booing when there was passing. You know, they got booed off at half-time. You know, then they started singing Nathan Jones is a wanker. And I just thought, you know, like being a, an Everton game is if you, you know, love Twitter. Um, and, you know, our fans were absolutely tremendous. And that the difference between, you know, our backing and their backing, it probably just helped us out because Southampton... Second half, you know, I'll watch the highlights. The highlights cut off after one, you had that shot over the bar. That was probably a quarter of an hour into the second half. So it was just, you know, a game we really had in arms. And I generally, apart from your typical, you think Forrest are going to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory mentality, I never ever thought we was under any pressure at all last night. And it was very much a case of whoever got the first goal probably will win the game and that's what happened. You know, the only the only time my heart was in the mouth was when we gave Ward Price that free kick, which even by his standards, he stuck that over the bar. So, yeah, it, it wasn't vintage, but it, it was such a crucial win last night and, you know, it, it's got me through <laughs> the tiredness of work, etc. today. So, yeah, it's um, what we've done all the miles for this season. And just, just to see us go up so many places as well, it's not like we've just come out and gone 17th to go sees go right up to 15th. And now thinking if we win his next home game against Leicester, we could go up to like 13th, maybe. It's yeah, lovely to see. Definitely. I think that's the most important thing. It's one of those where I know obviously as we have done for a while, there is an element of when you're growing a club that you know it is performances over results. But in that instance yesterday it was very much result came first and foremost. Yeah. We needed to get something out of that game and you know it didn't matter how we did it, which is a case of just getting it done. And um, yeah, thank God we did. <laughs> after the first half, no, after the second half was a blue. Sorry, obviously we all sort of hoping that you know, you'd play the full time most of the half time and let us all go home with the win. But one thing that annoyed me a little bit, Lee, was that it felt that Saints or more Nathan Jones sucked us down to their level of shit because I mean we'll come on to it again in a bit. The Southampton were fucking bad last night. And but they the second half, it was like the re- reversal from Chelsea where the first half we were really good. Sorry, uh poor or passive against Chelsea the second half we were really good. Against Saints, I felt that you know Saints really did a bit of a job on us in the second half in that, you know, they they kept forcing us to play long. I mean I, I don't think we completed a ground pass in their half for about 15 minutes. 
in the second half. I'm not even joking. Like everything was up in the air. It was just header, 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 loss, and that just played straight into their hands. But were you a bit concerned when you saw like that start to take place? Because obviously we've been stung so many times by Jones before doing the exact same thing with Luton. Were you a bit fearful at that point? Um, not not particularly because the scoreline still read nil one. Um, I think had they scored, um, it would have been interesting to see whether they. I must, I must admit, I genuinely can't believe how bad they are. Um, I was convinced that in this division there wasn't anyone that would. I looked at their starting eleven, and I must admit, it's one of the, it's probably the weakest starting eleven I've seen line up against us this season. Don't get me wrong, but you still look at some of the names, and you've got Walker Peters, you've got a keeper who's highly rated from City, you've got uh, Ward Prowse, obviously, Trey Adams, who, as daft as it sounds, he's got nine goals this season. So you've got to look at players like that, but. I just that they are so bad. Um, I know it's easy for us to sit here and say that now, but um, I wasn't particularly concerned because they weren't. They were doing some good stuff, but I just felt that from one to eleven, every player that we had was doing a job on the player in the same position for them. So, um, I think the, the thing with Nathan Jones is in Championship, he gets. I mean, every time they showed Nathan Jones last night, he was stood talking to John Brooks, who was the fourth official. I say talking to him, he was stood barking at him. Now, the fourth official in the Premier League isn't arsed. They have the they have VAR to fall back on. Um, whereas in the Championship, he'll be going down the mic, he'll say, you need to come and sort him out, you need to come and do this, give him a free kick because he's doing my head in. The thing is, last night, I actually, I mean, I've not got your three opinions on the ref once yet because we don't need to talk about it because we won't. I actually thought the officials were pretty good last night. I actually thought they were okay. They gave some soft ones. Uh, they gave some, they let some go that I thought were definitely free kicks. And then, like, moments later, they give a little safe, soft one. But I actually don't think it was the sort of game where anyone can have a, a complaint about the officials. I felt Tom Bramwell's just come up from the championship. So essentially, he's still going to be doing, he's going to give some stuff that, Perhaps other established Premier League referees don't, but it, I thought it was quite telling that there wasn't. I don't think there was a single VAR check all night. Um, they would have had a quick look at the goal, I suppose. But it was nice to see ninety-four minutes of football where we're not worrying about hanging on and waiting for a decision that might be a, a toenail or a kneecap. So um, I think that's the thing with Jones. He, he's. I thought with better players, he might try and adapt his style, and it appears he hasn't. Um, he, he's on borrowed time. He. I mean, I've just seen a tweet today saying um, Nathan Jones to Southampton's the worst managerial appointment since Nathan Jones went to Stoke, and it, it looks like it. It looks like it at the minute because he just he's got this style and it's dogged, and yeah, he'll work in the Championship over a forty-six game season. But every team he comes up against now, he's going to be wise to it, and Southampton are going to play worse teams than us this better teams than us. Sorry, this season, aren't they? So. I mean, they are in massive, massive trouble and I can't see Jones lasting until the end of February. I really can't. Um, but to, to kind of round off and go back to the original question, I wasn't particularly worried. They didn't have a single shot. Um, people will say that we only had one shot on target. Um, but I just felt that we were we were kind of comfortable and if anyone was going to nick another goal, I thought it would probably be us. That's a fair assessment, yeah. it was. Um, I felt that one one thing I thought we did in the first half really well was that we they did because they tried that from the outset they tried to run run at us and you know force us long and we just picked them off like we just kept playing through the gaps we we beat the press every time and um, obviously got a lot of space in behind us as a result of that so I was I wasn't too concerned but I mean 
in the second half, he just sort of stopped doing that. So that was a, a slight worry. But I mean, as you say, that was like, yeah, you know, had that been if you if you put a blindfold over me and said also whatever else, like, I couldn't see like what the colours were or make out where I was. And you told me that was Preston B Forest in the championship at Deepdale, I wouldn't have been surprised. Like it was no different to watching any of these long ball sort of sides. And that's just not going to work in the Prem, is it? But that's not. I mean, concern. I genuinely, I genuinely I, one other thing that really did surprise me. I expected in the second half for their two fullbacks to get at ours, probably catch Lodie and Aurier a little bit tired, win some free kicks, and then have Ward Prowse whipping some really lethal crosses in. But I don't know. I don't know whether it was Ward Prowse doesn't seem anywhere near as effective when he's whipping a ball in as he does taking a free kick from twenty five yards away, which is really strange for a dead mm. ball specialist. Uh, whether that's because there's no one underneath it to to be a, a nuisance in the box, I'm not sure. But I just felt from one to eleven, we we kind of did a job on them, and it, I wasn't particularly that. It was the first time this season where I've not thought oh, we need to be careful or someone they've got someone capable of ripping the net off in open play, and it was it was refreshing. It wasn't like you say, it was a little bit like a championship feel to it in that sense. Yeah, for sure. And um, again, just grateful we came out the other side with three points. Um, so obviously, Adam. Yeah, obviously, it, while it's frustrating to be sort of you know, pulled down to Jones's level, the back line dealt with pretty much everything. I thought, like, um, apart from that one ball over to Adams in the first half, Volley and Worrell, every single aerial duel they won. Serge Aurier, despite being about five foot one, won about every header that he could have contested. And likewise, on the other side with Lodi. I mean, how do you think the back line operated last night? I mean, in terms of structure and solidity, it just seemed like a brick wall at times. It was quite. It was a lot of bread and butter for them, wasn't it? Really, especially when you got Warrell and Bolly. I mean, Bolly's head is massive, isn't it? Like you can't really like. It's such a hard target to miss. Like every time they would pump in the ball in the box, it just hit him. They 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 really tried hard to give Ward Prowse a lot of those wide areas. You know, like Kevin De Bruyne gets in for Man City. Obviously, the the quality of of player is a little bit different because De Bruyne can do so much more. I think than than Ward Prowse, but. They, they tried so hard to get him on the ball, get out wide and cross the ball in. But we, Bolly and Worrell just swept up everything. And, and Serge Aurier is becoming like the outlet this season, a bit similar to how Jed Spence was last season, where we'd clip him a ball and, and Spence would bring it down and we'd be away. And Aurier's just, I don't know what what he's having in his calves or what for breakfast to jump so high, but he, he just wins absolutely everything. And he's just such a solid player. I've seen lots of people put, it was Lodi's best game yesterday. I'm not sure about that. I thought he was better in the Chelsea game, personally, because of the quality of defender. I thought Walker-Peters was probably Southampton's biggest threat, which is weird for a right wing back, obviously. I know we can't really say that much because ours was last season. So, yeah, they were, they were all solid. All, all, I wouldn't give them any, anyone uh, below a seven or a, a seven and a half if you're going to do that. They, they were all pretty standard. I mean, Henderson had, didn't, have a, didn't lay a glove on him, did they? Like, which is weird for an away game for Forest in the Premier League. I think any away game in the Premier League. I mean, the fact that they didn't, they didn't have a single shot on target is really bad from their perspective. I mean, I guess from a positive point of view for Forest, though, I mean, like, that's twice in the last few games we've done that. We did it to Palace as well. I know they missed a penalty and missed a target completely, but not they didn't do anything. I mean, we're, I mean, we're protecting him well. That's the best thing we can do because you feel from the back, ultimately. Chelsea only had two shots on target, and one of them was from point blank range, fluky how it got to Sterling, wasn't it? So we've obviously learned a lot of lessons this season, and 
you have to say it's credit to Steve Cooper and the team and even the players because they've adapted as as we've gone on. We're on the fly, as as people have been saying in, in other media outlets, because the the plain and obvious. I mean, every week players are getting asked the same thing about twenty three players. They're, they're well gelled now. You'd like mm. to think. I mean, Cooper seems to have found an eleven he he quite likes at the moment. I mean, that's I think is that the first time we've been unchanged. It is, yeah. I mean that's that's brilliant. So you know it's it's foundations to build on. Um, so yeah, um, it's it's very good. It's positive. It's we're, we're, I think people will be looking looking forward to the next away day, uh, which All is probably better. coming around so, yeah. so, sooner than sooner than we think. Obviously, Blackpool will be will be brilliant for the weekend for the FA Cup run, won't it? Yes, definitely. Yeah, everyone's looked at the Blackpool. It seems, but um, one person who could be making his, his full start or full debut at. Um, Blackpool was the Gustavo Scarpa who came on yeah. for 20 minutes, Reese. And um, obviously, it was immediately made an impact. I mean, the fans already have taken him very, very well. Um, he's certainly a personality off the pitch. How did you fare? How do you think he felt, fared, sorry, on the pitch for Forest? I know he's only had a 20 minute cameo. We've obviously we've seen bad players have good debuts and good debut, good players have bad debuts. But on the balance of what you saw, do you think there's enough there that we've got a good player on our hands that can fit into our system and help us get up the league? Yeah, I mean, there was that ball, wasn't there, where he whipped it wide? Was it, was it to... I can't remember who it was. it to Johnson? Was it to Williams, was yeah. it? Yeah, I know he whipped it to the right side. I mean, that was, yeah, that was what, like, Adams just said, James Ward-Price were trying to do that, like, um, Kevin De Bruyne-style whipped ball, which was nice. Yeah, he did, he did all right. Um, he's obviously got to get up to pace because with respect to... You know, Serie A in Brazil, it's not the Premier League. So, you know, the pace will be a lot more. As, you know, we've heard with Remo Freule, he was surprised by the pace at the start. So, yeah, he, he looks... Um, I thought he did all right. It's an exciting sign, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring. Um, to be honest, the first three subs we made last night, I thought all made a massive impact. I thought Suarez did really well. You know, there was... He, he had um, Scarpa worn off on him with that flip, didn't he? Before that um, ball from Scarpa. And as well, you know, Jack Colbert, ever reliable, experienced head. Um, bit frowned upon at times on Twitter, you know, because he's not, um, you know, he's not the most, what what word I'm looking for, um, dazzling Glam- midfielder in the he's world. He's not glamorous, is he, really? Yeah, glamorous, yeah. But he come on and did a job, just experienced, no air gets you over the line, gets you the three points. And sometimes that's what you need. Um, you know, there is certain players in the squad who are like that, the likes of probably Cuyarte and Koku at times when you're under a little bit of pressure just to get you over the line, just experience, been there, done it. And that's what I thought he did. But yeah, going back to Scarpa, yeah. Um, hopefully he'll start on Saturday at Blackpool. I know they're struggling in the championship and the level of below, but it'd be nice to see him get you know, at least an hour maybe, um, and hopefully can produce something for the travelling fans, me included. It'd be nice. He certainly would be. Yeah, yeah. He was. Um, I still think he's slowly but surely kind of getting up to full match sharpness because of his his injury earlier this season. Um, I think um, the thing I think with this, I'm pleased you've given me a sentiment because I've got a bit of a theory, and I think. I saw Freuler, Freuler did a couple of mistakes last night and it was a bit out of character for him. And I think what both of Freuler and uh, Mangala have got to get used to, I suppose, is that they haven't got Kuyate there now. And he's the kind of the one who sits and is the big battering ram presence. Whereas now they've kind of got to, all three of them now have kind of got to kind of cover that um, element of the of his game. So 
Um, yeah, it's 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 proven a little bit of a different trio uh, without Kiate there. But yeah, he's um, he's certainly a player that we did well to get for the price we did, and um, I think I think it's telling that he's not quite fit yet because he, he seems to be getting hooked after about an hour when he does start. So um, yeah, I think he's certainly a player that um, Cooper I think will persist with. I mean, O'Brien wasn't even on the bench last night, was he? So that was surprising. Yeah, yeah it surprising. was very surprising. I think um, I actually expected him to come in last night. I mean, Sod's mm. Law, I write a piece doing a particular 11 and put O'Brien in, and he's not even made the trip to Southampton. <laughs> so, <laughs> in the no bollocks. But um, no, but yeah, it's it's a difficult one. We've, um, we are going to need a, a replacement for Kiate, I think. But at the minute, the midfield does look, uh, you know, with the, with the run of fixtures we've got, it shouldn't be too much of a problem. So, um, if we can get someone, great. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be rushing out to to kind of um, go and get a player with the same skill set. I think Kliate's due back around March anyway. So mm. uh, yeah, he was he was good. He was good, and and long may it continue for him because he is uh, a bright talent. For sure, definitely. And it's actually interesting you say that, like because obviously we've I think all of us sort of identified before the winner, didn't we? That we need a centre back, a midfielder, and a striker. It's now looking like we might need two strikers because of obviously things with Manuel Dennis that very sur- surfaced, but. It is. Yeah, I think it's pleasant. It's nice that you know we can sort of have a bit more faith in the players that we have got. Because again, one of the things with the upheaval, which as much as I maintain it was deserved, is that there isn't really a lot of attachments to these players apart from the ones that instantly wow you, like Gibbs White. You know, like even as we saw with Lodi for the start of the season, he was Lodi was like slammed by some of our fans rather stupidly. Same with same with Freud, like, just because there isn't really a lot of like you know, haven't really had a season or so to sort of get to know how they play or whatever else like that, and. um Obviously, Bangala started off very well, but it is really nice that he's picking up and we're at a point where if it's Yates, Freud and Mangala for the foreseeable, that's something we can trust upon. Yeah, and I think, I think like you say, that's a really good point, what you've just said there about the, there's no kind of attachment to them. And I think some of our fans get a little bit anxious because we've signed, let's call them random foreigners. I know we don't like that saying on here because clearly they can play. But our fans sometimes look at it and, oh, he's a random overseas, he's bound to be crap. Well... I mean, come on, look at every team in world football. Even Man City have the knack of plucking a Julian Alvarez out who think, oh, bloody hell, who's he and he's class? So there's no reason why we can't. I mean, you look at the players we did sign. Mangala probably hasn't had the career that uh, Froehler's had playing Champions League and, and for his country and that. But th- we're not going to just sign... We're not going to be signing Abduns and... Sorry, Adam. Um <laughs> and players and players like that. So you know, I think it'd be wise to just take a little bit of a step back and and really ju- judge these when they're playing for Forest because, like Mangala and Froyler are both proven, uh, and even Lodi to a certain extent. Um, you know, there there is some talent about it, and it's usually cheaper talent when you shop abroad as well. So that's worth bearing in mind. Yeah, there's, there's certainly it's more value abroad. I think that's been a proven thing for years. I mean, like you, know, you have to look at that's the, the reason why it's called the English tax because you know, the English players are so over high, overpriced. But yeah, long way that continue. Obviously, we've got a big window ahead of us too, where we'll need our recruitment teams put on it again. When we when I was looking at like player performances to pick out, Adam, like, I mean, obviously, you know, obviously Lee just covered Bangala. You know, Reece sort of touched upon Carlback earlier. I thought Carlback was brilliant when he came off the bench. So he really did very, very well. Sorry, it was interesting, Reece, you said Sarage played well. I mean, I thought he, largely, I thought he was a little bit slow at times to react. That was that ball that Lolly put across the box. He just mm. of, Yeah, that's he, fair. I just yeah. thought the ref just didn't give him that. I mean, there was so oh, ref, times yeah. when he was when he was getting yanked by their defenders and the ref, I don't think, gave him one decision, which was mm. frustrating. Yeah, that um, was but carry on. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, yeah. on the whole, I thought he was positive. I just felt that he looked a bit rusty, which probably comes from yeah. playing 10 minutes here and there, really. Yeah, but, that's um, true. Oh, obviously, Renan Lolly played very well as well. And obviously, Aurier, as we scored such upon earlier. But obviously, we had to talk about the key, you know, the key to the win, um, Adam, that is Johnson. And obviously, you've been fairly critical of Johnson not being strong enough, you know, especially against defenders and that sort of thing. And I've obviously said it's not necessarily his game, but he did seem much more physical than we've maybe seen of him recently. Um, obviously, he got, had a wonderful battle that was it. Was it Parara, I think he's that Saints left back, you know, the one who ended up getting booked because he couldn't handle it and started like pushing him and stuff like that. So the only thing that was it's quite funny because I wonder if the whole passing it back thing maybe stuck in his head because there was one opportunity where Johnson probably should have shocked because he had two or two of people blocked off and he tried to cut it back anyway. I was like, ah, so the decision making isn't maybe like as ruthless as we want it to be, but then he's only 21. But on the balance of things, I mean. How do you think he played? I mean, for me, he was my man of the match. I think there was, it couldn't be anyone else, really. But what was your thoughts on his performance? It was one of his better performances, for sure. He, he looked back to the Johnson we saw of last season where he'd get one-on-one with the fullback and just attack the space. Um, first half, he did it where he, he, he managed to get it around. Literally, the ball was like hugging the touchline and he's and he's out outpaced the fullback and I think he won as a corner at that point. There was a bit in the second half where he went on a bit of a mazy run and he knocked it past um or Salasu maybe I think at the back or whatever and he went down the right wing and, and I think that was when he put that uh when he should have when he passed and he should have maybe shot or he, he tried to try to put it across the box. I can't remember. But that was a brilliant run as well. I thought yeah he, he was really good at obviously handing the goal and getting an assist. It's nice that he's he's contributing again. I thought he was great at Ch- against Chelsea as well. I think he gave Kukurea a, a torrid time. And this is only a positive thing. I think he's obviously now starting to get to the grips with with the Premier League. I think he's he's slowly learning. And, and as as the, the, all, all the players are, they're adapting. I think I have probably been a bit harsh on the criticism of him. I think it's because I know how good he can be. We've said this many, many times. We just know, we know his potential and we just kind of want him to f- fulfil that. I do think if he did get a bit of bit of muscle on him he'd be even better because it's just another weapon another bow to his string or whatever you want to call it so yeah it's it was it was a really positive performance I think he'll be eager to play the next game as soon as possible really more than likely against Wolves I'd expect him to get rested against Blackpool to be honest to give some other people uh, uh, some minutes yeah I think that's pretty fair yeah although a lot depends on that on the situation of manual dennis which i'm sure we'll come on to at some point hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well... <laughs> 
Just a break in play to give a plug to my business. This is Free Softer Pod. I have my own courier business, RL Delivery Service. I do local and GB deliveries. Good rates, fully insured. So give me a message on it's RL Deliveries on Twitter. You can find it in my bio, which is um, Reese, spell R-E-I-S-S-N-F-F-C. Or I'm also on Facebook at RL Delivery Service. So if you do need anything moving, give me a message and I'd be more than happy to help. I think the, the one that made me laugh most was at half time. I, I obviously Hennessy didn't come out for half time. There was no need for him to. Every other outfielder apart from Dennis was out there warming up. It was like he was like that against Chelsea. Yeah. As that's well. a great message, yeah. that, doesn't it? Like I've, 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 I've noticed that. Um, that's like one of the things when I said I've noticed about Dennis. I don't. Why, why is he not out at half time? You know, just sat in the dressing room, sulking in the corner. The only, the only time you won't be out at half time is if you're coming on, isn't it? Really. Uh, so I mean, yeah, straight. Did you have you like seen the video of uh, Decore re- warming up at halftime for Everton at the weekend? Sat on the ball, just, yeah. Sat on the ball for yeah. for a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I, think, when, um... I think I'd rather Dennis be sulking in the dressing room than doing that on the pitch because I think he'd he'd get absolute pelters. Yeah, it reminds me of when like Italy are doing all like their um, it's like stretches and Balotelli's like just lying down on the floor. Um, I remember from quite a while back, but. Yeah, I mean, touching on Dennis, it's what I said in the last pod. Into he, I'm not going to start going ITK, but I don't think he was ever a Steve Cooper signer. I think that's someone who um, has been recommended by the board. As the articles have said, um, the club's just got to hold their hands up and, and say, look, he's probably not the right person for what Steve Cooper wants to build in the dressing room, like his family feel, etc. I think um, that's flexibility-wise is all there. Like, yeah, I, mean, before, I, I do rate Dennis as a player. Yeah, he's um, a very good player. I and mean, before yesterday's um, mm. obviously match, he had the exact same contributions as Johnson in a thousand less minutes. Yeah. So well, like you know, a, he's very, well, very obvious a player there. It's just mm. well, like I player. said on Twitter, he's made three starts. He scored one assisted one. It's not bad, is it? Mm, um, for a side who's struggling, uh, it's just he's not really had any consistent game time, and and that probably tells you, doesn't it? Really? Um, I mean, I don't believe for a minute the reason we're getting rid of him is because. In a dead game, he's gave the ball away in the last five minutes. I mean, that's just sort of nonsense. There's yeah. obviously been a build up. Yeah, the final straw. Oh, it's like yeah. Um, yeah, there's probably been like it said. There's probably been some strong words that I imagine with Dennis's type of character, he's probably not took it too well, and mm. that's probably like you just said, Chris, in the final straw. We'll look to move him on, but the problem is at the minute we've not got a lot of options. You know. Tyro's obviously had that knock last night. And I, I know Adam's just said about wrestling Brennan Johnson on Saturday, but it's kind of like who would come in for him, really? I suppose Williams the right wing. Yeah. But then you have to do, play at right back. Yeah. You know, you you play, have to play Aurier, mm-hmm. uh, because being Connie is injured. So we are a little bit threadbare now, despite the fact we've made a thousand signings. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think there'll probably be a few on Saturday, probably the likes of Gates and Johnson, who probably will start, I think. Mm. Maybe it's a shame. It's a, it's a shame with Dennis because Joe, if he had like the attitude and the professionalism yeah. of, of someone like Ryan Yates, he wouldn't be at Forest. I mean, you'd, 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 oh, be, yeah, you'd, you'd be looking at a player that way. You're going, Oh, bloody hell, Forest have managed to get this absolute gem. He'll go mm. for like 60 million in the next mm. window. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, you look at like Brighton are getting these players in for far cheaper and they're producing far better, better than, than what mm. he's doing. And it's, it's such a shame because he is a talent, he, mm. he, is, he is a good footballer. He's just an absolute dickhead. <laughs> That's what yeah, I, think. I mean, yeah. I was speaking to like a Watford fan um, and he was like, obviously they had that 
link up with Saw and Pedro and he was like, they re- worked really well together. And he said they had a really good like chemistry. And he says like, if you play to his strengths, he's a brilliant player, but he's just, it doesn't look like it's going to work out at Forest. And like I said, the club's just going to have to hold the hands up and say they've got this one wrong, which it does happen. They've got yeah, some right as yeah. well. So, you can't get every transfer right. Um, yeah. I mean, there's this transfers, you know, what Brentford have made. I look at Keenan Lewis Potter, he's not really offered much this season so mm. far. So it does happen even at the best clubs. It's just the problem with Forrest has been over the years, we've got too many wrong and right, but hopefully <laughs> we can, um, yeah, we've got some, look like we've got some right this season. We'll have to see uh, what happens come the end of the season before judging that. Well, one of those we probably looks like we have got right. It's, it's ticking the box. Going back to Southampton game is, of course, Taiwo um, Reese. I want to know how you thought he played, because again, it does seem that since he's like been sort of pushed out to that wide left uh, forward role, we just seem a bit more re-energized. Like we're playing to his strengths a bit more. And um, like I said, big worry that he came off holding his groin. I know Cooper said it's maybe just muscle fatigue, but I think that's him being clever. I think he'd be waiting to see him for next week or so. Um, that's just me being pessimistic. Hopefully, I'm wrong. I'm not some like medical expert, but um, it didn't look great, and that'll be a huge blow if he is injured. It would, yeah, because like I just said, we're starting to get quite a few injuries, aren't we? Um, you know, being Connie's long term, I know he didn't play much, but then you've got Kuyati, who was a first teamer, Lingard, who's a first teamer, Dennis, who's been in and around the first team, looking like he might be surplus to requirements. Then a one who's got injured, so it, it is mounting up a little bit. Um, but yeah, like Adam, really, Adam probably at the nail on the head. He just seems to have come back after this break looking a lot better. That I do think, Dan, to the fact that we are looking to play more to his strengths, as I mentioned, I think probably the last pod or the pod before, you know, you've got to try and play balls into the channels for one year or like Johnson did yesterday, where he well, one used Buster got to get into the middle to tap it in. And that could be a combination what could be vital for us. You know, Johnson might get into the byline or partly into the box and then just cutting it back. And he might get 10 tappings a season. And then he's done his job then, hasn't he? If he can get as like a dozen goals in all competitions, you know, he's on five now, isn't he? You know, it wouldn't be too bad, really. Um, say you get 10 in the Premier League. Um, which that would be good, but he looks like he's improving, which is good. I think it's fair to say the whole team looks like they're improving. We've finally, it seems, we've got a solid base to a side. Um, you know, the back four, as we mentioned, I thought were all tremendous last night. They dealt with everything what we had to do. There is a couple of moments where the two people go up for the same header, which happened quite a few times last night, which we've got to cut out as time goes on. But it's like Yates and Froyler in that middle have got a bit of a chemistry. Um, and still, it seems people want to drop one or two of them, uh, Yates and Froyler, at the minute, just let the lads play. You know what I mean? They're doing, they're doing fine, as seen by the results over the last few games. Uh, so it is, it is coming along well. And now what was vital for us last season in January was getting the right players. And we did that last season. You know, the likes of Davis and Surridge and Cook if we can get, say, I don't know, three players in maybe who's going to come in um, additionally to Scarp as well and have that impact, then I think we might be on the right path to start believing we can actually stay in this league. 
No, that's very fair. I mean, you're very right. Last year was quality over quantity, essentially. I mean, apart from yeah. obviously when we were forced into the last deadline day. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Even then. Even then. <laughs> it's a good yeah. sign. It wasn't. Yeah, sorry, it came off. I mean, obviously, if you look at who we signed last year, I mean, I think I saw it was the year anniversary since we signed Steve Cook, I think, even today or yesterday. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you look, Davis on the first, I assume, when I opened Keenan's mm. in. Obviously, you had Steve yeah. Cook coming as well. Surridge. I mean, those three players were instrumental when I was getting promoted. Yeah. Above all else. I mean, so, I mean Years gone by, it was just like you just said, Christian, it was quantity over quality. Yeah. You know, it was just stockpiling players. And yeah, we just need that a few, just to give us a bit more depth, definitely now with the injuries we've picked up and just that bit of extra quality, hopefully a bit of Prem experience as well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe help us out. Lucky, and yeah. We've just got to make sure we stay in this league. It's as simple as that, really. That's it. It's easier said than done, but hopefully we can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before just to wrap up, Southampton. So um, three more points for you. Also, before we get to select on it, thoughts. So Lee, obviously we touched upon it slightly earlier with your favourite little manager, Nathan Jones. Um, again, like the more I look at it and the reaction from the Saints fans, I mean, it was crazy. Like next to us, like it felt like. I mean, I have to give immense credit to these Southampton fans. They were. You know, even despite I mean, we've all been there, we've all been like it's a pure apathy and horrible, and you know you want to like like just take aim at everyone. But they were great laugh; they took it really well. And like you know, it was <laughs> it's just funny that after four games, like they're joining in with Nathan Jones, you're a wanker chance for the Forest fans. Like I think we sang like the your trainers are shit, got a run out, and they followed that up instantly with your tactics are shit, Nathan Jones, your tactics are shit. This has happened after four games from Southampton fans. They were furious. And, you know, you you sheep shagging bastards get out of our club, they said at one point. You know, you don't know what you're doing, whether it's some towards the end, the whole, the boos at half and full time, it would have made Everton fans proud. I mean, Obviously, we don't like Nathan Jones. He's made that, he, he, he thrives on being his pantomime villain and he's done it against Forest, especially last season, several times. How he got manager of the year above Cooper is still fries my head. But Lee, are you particularly upset or sympathetic to his plight or are you just happy that he's going to take another team out of the equation that'll be worse than us? Oh, I'm not happy. I'm ecstatic. It couldn't happen to <laughs> a, a weirder bloke. Um, I mean, I, I think we live in a world where, especially on this sort of platform, we have to be careful what we say about people. But I think Nathan Jones, he, he gets everything. He's, all this that's coming his way now is two or three years in the making. He used to sit behind Mike's as a Luton manager and he used to just take the piss out of clubs. He used to wind clubs up. He used to... He's a parody of himself. He's an absolute nightmare. And I think... I looked at him on the touchline that, last night and... I thought, you look like a broken man and I could not be happier. Um, just, he must already be regretting leaving Luton. He had a job for life there. They love mm. him. And now even they don't really want him back. Um, it's it's a sad situation. I mean, one bloke I do feel sorry for is Chris Cowan in all of this. Of course, I mean, yeah. Obviously that's what saying, yeah. Not least because he's, he's kind of Jones's trusted lieutenant, but more because... I think he he could have a, a burgeoning coaching career, but now he's going to be kind of be on the scrap heap if he's known as Jones's man. I mean, where does Jones go next? I suppose I suppose some championship clubs will take a punt on him, but he Definitely just comes well, with yeah. so much baggage. I mean, mm. if you're a you look at Luton as a club, I mean, they're not bothered about ruffling feathers. It's little old Luton. They're punching above their weight every year. Whereas a bigger club, a more respectable club, will want a manager that conducts himself in in similar fashion. And I don't ever see that in Jones. I think. 
even now his interviews at Southampton, he's trying to talk the talk a little bit, but I think it's too late. You know, saying things like, oh, well, Luton should have gone up last year when Forrest have won the playoffs. They didn't even get to the playoff final. I mean, he just, it's one of those situations where, you know, he, he's got to carry this persona now and it's he's not going to see the end of the season with Southampton. So I just don't see where he goes from here. But no, I mean, to answer your question, I, I don't really feel any sympathy for him. I think he's done, he's always made out that he's Luton through and through and then he's done what every other manage, manager, player, um, member of staff does in football. It's how football works. You get offered a bit more money, you get offered the chance to work in a higher league, you take it. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. It's it's a short career uh, managing and playing. There's nothing wrong with that, but mm. you, you have to kind of um, live with that. And for Jones, it's it's going to be an interesting few months. He he might uh, he might finally be able to sort his garden out after so long uh, working in management. <laughs> I I reckon um, I think you're I think next up for him will probably be somewhere like Millwall where you're right with that yeah. sort of club that don't care how they play just as long as they get results that that's a perfect fit for him him going to Southampton where like I remember when I was like you know I, I went to uni in Southampton and like you know the the buzz around the city where the team plays well and like they have all this ethos that Saints like you know it's I remember I spoke to a um, one that had a youth development for one of my like projects once. And he told me that they wouldn't loan James Ward-Prowse out because they didn't feel they could trust another team to play the certain side of football Southampton wants to play that would be best for his development. And that was 10 years ago, 10, 11 um, years or so. So <laughs> why have they hired Jones? The complete opposite to that. Yeah, I mean, it just, his comments yesterday, like, they're laughable. Like, he said that, what's it? They, um, he highlighted a game when they beat Bournemouth this season. And said that oh, we're defending better now, but you're losing games. So how are you defending better now? The team got a clean sheet that day, and then he said afterwards, like, "Oh, it's not my fault. We're in this position. We were here when I got there." It's like, oh, great, that's right then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing I don't really get with Southampton appointing Jones is you look at Southampton as a football club. I mean, when I was growing up, they were always in the Premier League. They were a, it was a massive shock when they went down. Um, they were they were kind of everyone's in in the early. Premier League years. They were kind of everyone's favourite other club. You know, Letizia was kind of everyone's um, favourite player because he scored worldies all the time. And now they've gone from appointing Hassan Huttle, who, you know, he came with a decent reputation. And to be fair, he's, he established... I think sometimes the grass isn't always greener for these these uh, board of directors who think... I mean, would, would Southampton have lost their last four games since Hassan Huttle left if they kept him? Probably not. That not, they'd have probably no. won one of them. They might have got four points, which, in the grand scheme of things, would take them out of the relegation zone right now. So, you know, it's to how has anyone looked at Nathan Jones and thought, yeah, he's like a domestic Hassan Hall? No way. It's his tactics have always been dire, and I thought it was quite telling actually last night that the slightest bit of contact. I know they've got Ward Prowse, so it's a bit like the play for set pieces instruction on footy man isn't to use that analogy <laughs> so you they are going to go down a little bit easier especially in that area between the posts but you can see that already he's trying to get those little shitty decisions but like i say the referees have got var they don't give decisions on field anymore they just mm. play and then let it get brought back so that tactic's definitely not going to work in the premier league and i i just can't believe that a club like southampton have gone for him because well, if he the longer he stays there, the more that every, everyone's just going to despise them. 
pretty much yeah I, I, I can't disagree with that and I hope for their sake it's a short-lived affair but yeah again thankfully if it takes up one I mean I don't want to sound horrible if there's only Saints fans randomly tuning in but you know if it takes one of the three slots and it isn't us I, don't, I couldn't care less who that is at this point so as long as we're above water and um, you know, in, in that sense yeah. I hope they do keep him in that sense yeah. I hope they keep him because they are they are 100% going down with him in charge oh, 100% yeah there's no I think, I, yeah I don't think there's any question about that moment in time it's shocking but again that's their foibles we can <laughs> move on um, so Obviously, Adam. I mean, one thing. I mean, also, we, one thing we bemoaned on the last pod, and even at the start of Southampton was Forest luck. You know, you think you know, the Chelsea, the way the Chelsea goal came about, for example. Even I think you can rewind it to the United game. The you know, Yates missed time in the header, and it being ruled out offside against Bolly, and we denied a goal at Old Trafford. And then you think, you no, know, the the flick onto the bar that could have gone anywhere, could have gone behind play, could have like hit a child or a ball boy, but instead fall straight back to Sterling. And then you think, you know, Gibbs White hitting the ball Zidane like perfection and it just hits the other side of the bar and hits goes the, the right the wrong side of the line you start to think like and even the Southampton game you know Johnson hits the bar from seven yards out when it's like oh god is it ever going to change but obviously we did what we could control we won and a lot of other results went our way I mean Everton and Bournemouth both lost, both lost very badly um, it's to the point we no longer have the worst goal difference in the league with the joint worst, which is a, it's a start considering how poor it was. Um, Leeds West Ham finished a draw, so neither team were really getting anything from us. Leicester also lost. I mean, Leicester weirdly, obviously, we felt they pulled away and are now being sucked right back in. And the only result that didn't completely go our way was the Wolves Villa game, where Wolves drew, but we still I think we're still three points clear of it now. So. I mean, obviously, they say make, make your own luck in football. Do you think those results maybe swinging our way is a sign that our luck might be starting to turn? You bloody hope so, don't you? Um, this league is is a little bit balmy. Like even the top, the race for the top six, you'd even say, is a little bit balmy. Bar like Arsenal and Man City, but they're also everyone's so tight. I mean, like. Chelsea would never be sucked into the relegation battle, but they're not even that far away. Do you know what I mean? Like, teams are... It's a strange game, football, isn't it? I mean, you look at that bottom seven or whatever it is, it's like looking at the championship table, whereas one win, you, you bomb up, like, six places. Like, we... like we, Well, we how many did we go up? Three, four. That's crazy, isn't it, really? Like, but, but brilliant, but... We just got to keep looking after ourselves now. Now we're out of it. That's all. That's all you need to do. Everyone else is irrelevant. Obviously, when we play those teams around us, we just they're there must not lose us. I said that about the game last night. It was a don't lose and and we'll be all right. So yeah, that, we've, we, I think Cooper reiterated it last night in his post match was was we just need to look after ourselves now because that, that we're, we've got the it's in our own hands, isn't it? So. Let's just keep going, take one game at a time, as he likes to say, because that's how he works, and and I'm sure we will. And who knows? We you need you, we're going to need a bit of luck this season. Probably VAR will end up saving us after how much controversy it's caused us as well, won't it? Oh, you, you never know. Oh, go on, sorry, go. Uh, just to add as well, it's something we spoke about a few pods ago about par for the course. So if we was to beat Leicester, we would be on 20 points at exactly the halfway stage. I thought I might steal your thunder. Yeah. So I'll let, you, I'll let you carry on, bud. So I was going to say, um, obviously, despite all the upheaval and all the talk sports shit pundits slating us <laughs> and hammering us and saying like absolute fucking like 
uh, info thieves like Alex Crook, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, hammering us saying how awful <laughs> we are, like morons like Jamie Redknapp, you know, who Jose Mourinho once famously describes tongue firmly in cheek as a great pundit. Uh, all these people saying how we're finished, we are, etc., etc. <laughs> if Forrest were to beat Leicester, Reese, at the halfway point in the season, we would have twenty points, which on the forty-point baseline would put us on on par to hit that put that points total. So my question to you is. Aside from that being a stag- rather staggering stat, despite the fact we've been written off by everyone, do you think we'll even need to get to 40 points to say up? Just to touch on it, it was actually nice to hear Matthew Upson's comment on after the Chelsea game, wasn't it, on match of the day, because he was really, um, he really praised us. And that's probably like the first, you know, pundit I've actually seen with a decent account this season towards Him and us. Henry Winter, like the only exceptions to the rule. Yeah, I mean, Henry, Henry loves coming to the city ground, doesn't he? So, um, yeah, that is always nice. Um, what was your question again? You reckon 40 points will be... Do you reckon we need, think need it, to get to 40 points? Or do you think we'll even with? need it? Yeah. I think that's got to be the target, hasn't it? I mean, I know there is seasons, as we've seen in the Championship, where it was 50 points once at the Championship. There was, you know, the Derby season where they stayed up, God, they'd rather them get like five points or something. Um, yeah, you've got, I think, got to aim for that magical total into uh, 40 points. And like you just said Christian about the par if we can beat Leicester then we'll be on par for that we're really we've had quite you know at times really struggled this half so you'd look for the second half of the season to be better really and now the players have gelled more everyone knows each other a bit more and we've got a bit more form together so yeah I mean that Leicester game would be big for a lot of reasons you know I do think we owe him one person for that night at the King Power, which was a horrible night. It was a night when we thought, we all thought as a fan base, Steve Cooper's probably going to get the sack. There was then the talk of Rafa Benitez coming in, which nobody wanted at all. I mean, it, it just seemed like it was a disaster that night. So, yeah, that, that's a massive game. And I mean, looking at the fix, the next round of fixtures, you know, Aston Villa play Leeds. So you've got 11th v 14th, fair enough. But then you've got Wolves play West Ham. So that's 19th, 17th, and, you know, Bournemouth away at Brentford. Um, and then you've got Everton who play Southampton, so that's 18th, the bottom. So that next round of fixtures, if we could win, that would give us another massive boost. Um, I know it isn't a derby towards Leicester, but it's still like an East Midlands derby. It'll get built as the atmosphere will be good because their fans, it'll be their biggest game of the season. So they'll be up for it. And yeah, we've got to... Um, We've got to be up for it as a fan base and as as a team because that would be another massive win. Um, and to add to last night, I kind of said after the game, really, it's a little bit as much as I like the cups and as much as it's been brilliant the league cup this season. Um, it's a shame really that Leicester game is next and we can kind of carry that momentum on. But the cup games are here. Let's try and win them, especially the Wolves. Yeah, uh, you don't want to go out to Blackpool as well. You know, you don't want to be a banana skin there. So. Yeah, let's just keep that winning mentality. And um, yeah, it'd be lovely to get through in both cups by hook or crook and then go and beat Leicester on his own patch as we did last year. That would be fantastic. It really would. Um, right. <laughs> In the ideal world. <laughs> so we're now going to go through some slept on it thoughts from you all. Uh, with see Lee Clark TM. Although it's quite funny that... I thought, was it the guy... Ed Dawes has started nicking it now, isn't he? Lee, he's bloody 
Like he has done that for a while, to be fair. To yeah, him, yeah, that's what I say. I'd I love, I love to claim it, but um, let's not talk about him <laughs> or them. So we've got uh, David Ballin saying, defensively looked good, albeit against a very poor side. Wish we could retain possession a little more to alleviate some pressure. Scarf is a real deal. I know he only touched the ball about five times, but I don't care. Ball don't lie. Bench looked thin. Both subs did very well. Massive result. Matt Hoy said, every win is getting me emotional. Near the halfway point this season, so I'm daring to dream survival. Can see improvement of every game and players are really starting to find their feet. Ian Finch said, a confident, assured display. Every player worked their arse off for 90 plus minutes. Those two passes from Scarpa have me very excited for what's to come. Lee Chilvers put game management, tick. Three points, tick. Clean sheet, tick. Results going our way around us, tick. Uh, Abdul in the moon, Adam's favourite contributor to the pods. Renan Lodi's best match. He was absolutely phenomenal tonight. Bigger defensive defla- displays all around, though. Colback was the perfect person to come on and break things up, too, which is very true. He played very, very well last night. Stuart Clarkson slept on and driven home on it, Forts. Oh, he's, he's pushing the boat out. Bloody hell. Um, solid performance to build on. The tenacity and pace of Johnson grabbed us the three points, and he squared it. He should have had two goals, hit the bar and squared instead of shooting second, himself second half. Gibbs White was a bit quiet. Defence solid. Scarpa showed how to love a football. I'm not sure Gibbs White was quiet, but the rest of it's pretty fair. Um, Dan Armstrong says, thought the goals a reflection of what we're doing much better. Intensity from both Tywo and Brennan are much more together. We won the ball. We were direct. So many players are looking better by the game, struggling to think of one that actually isn't, which is a fair point, actually. Even even the, the bench players at the minute are coming on and putting a shift in which is you know, really good. Uh, Wayne Gallican says, not our best performance, but worth the flight over from Jersey just to be in with amazing forest support, non-stop singing. Oh, well, I'm glad the flight was worth it. It's always nice when you make a long trip and it pays off. Um, that Gary Baldy nerd said, opposite of Chelsea, good first half, went hiding in a second. Southampton are woeful though. You need to be consistent all game. However, we take the positives and build. Scarpa looks very silky. <laughs> Another fat sweat in the black. We can do this. And Nathan Joy says, Scarpa probably had the choice of numerous top European sides to choose from. We need to count our blessing. He's with us. Need to keep Taiwo fit, however. Hopefully it's nothing serious. And then last, no, no means this, by no means least, sorry. Ash Davis, class away performance. Dealt with their second half pressure of ease. The press from the front was superb, which led to the goal. So thank you, as always, for getting your thoughts into us. It's always greatly appreciated. Anyway, now we're going to move on to the final part of the podcast, which is going to look at the upcoming games. So we have Blackpool away in the FA Cup, and we've got Wolves at home in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal. Keep thinking it's called the Carling Cup or something like that. It's a League Cup for, you know, for old money. And then we have Leicester City at home in the Premier League. None of the games are on TV. So again, it's, if you've got a ticket, great. If not, find the stream somewhere. But um, so Lee, what's your predictions for all those three games? Obviously, I'm expecting a lot of rotation for the Blackpool game. But what's your thoughts on the next three fixtures? Um, I think it's not. I think it's actually quite nice that we'll be able to look at the league table for more than a week and not see us in the bottom three for nice, starters. I think <laughs> that is. It is nice that it's come at a time. That win last night now comes at a time when we can park the league for. I think it's ten days or whatever. So, um, I, I would rotate heavily at Blackpool. I think if we lose at Blackpool, people need to kind of take a step back and realize the situation we're in. Yet we've got a big squad, uh, and yeah, you look at. I mean, I've just been doing a possible 11, and the 11 that I've picked probably should be strong enough to beat Blackpool. Um, but one thing I would say is that Appleton does kind of play a decent style of football, so they will probably have a go. Um, it's just whether they've got the quality to trouble us. Um, 
does the FA Cup still go to a replay? It does. It's, I'm pretty that sure it now? does. Yeah. yeah I, think see, I don't think COVID, wasn't it? They sort of stopped it. I could be I wrong, don't think, could be wrong. I don't think we'll want a replay. Um, so I think Cooper will... I mean, he always says he wants to win every game, doesn't he, Cooper? So I think he will go into it wanting to win. Uh, and I think he'll make sure the big big boys are on the bench just in case. Uh, I'll go for a win, but I don't think it'll be as routine as everyone's probably expecting. Um, I'll go for a 2-1 win um, in that one. Um, the Wolves game, well, the City ground should be rocking for that one, shouldn't it? Let's face it. Um, I think it might go to penalties. Um, I think both clubs will know um, what's at stake. And I think they'll see it as a competition that they can, as much as, I know I know we looked at it before on a pod where we said, whoever we play in the next round is like, I can't see a shock in any of the other ties. So it's going to be us all Wolves in with the big boys, I think, um, which is a shame. But yeah, I'll go for, I'll be optimistic again. We've won a game now, haven't we? So um, I'll go for optimism again and say we'll win on penalties. Nice. Nice. And last but not least, Leicester at home. Big one. Leicester at home. Only time I say big one about Leicester, it's only because it's a league game. So Yeah. It's because we're on the same points, not because yeah. we want a rivalry or anything. Yeah, um, irrelevant club. But... Yeah. Um, tricky game. It's all going to depend who's fit for Leicester and who plays for Leicester. Um, and I know that you should never focus on um, the other team. If James Madison doesn't play for Leicester, I genuinely think they're there for the taking. Um, every time I've watched Leicester this season without Madison, they've been, and I mean this is no exaggeration, absolutely dog shit. Um, they've been awful. So, I mean, if he doesn't play, I'm going to give two predictions. If he doesn't play, I think we'll win. And I think it'll be narrow. Um, I think it'll be a 1-0 win. Um, we're good at those, aren't we? We have um, seems to be, yeah. We seem to yeah. be 1-0 to Nottingham. Yeah. Um, so I'll go for that. I think if Madison does play though, I would I'd probably take a draw because his mm-hmm. influence on that team is that good. And and if if he's playing around the players that he played in the, against us last time, you know Barnes, um, Dewsbury Hall, um, I think it'll be a draw. Um, but I think it might be. I think a team that comes and scores goals against us will kind of wake us up and make us play better. So it might be like a score draw, like a two all or something like that if if Madison plays. Okay, well, it's, it's an interesting thought, definitely. Adam, we've got obviously to, just your predictions for Blackpool, Wolves, and Leicester, please. Yes, this is a well, it's all different different competitions in it each game. So uh, Blackpool, I do expect us to rotate. I think it'll be a bit of a mix between the players that haven't been getting as many minutes, like your Surridges and Colbacks, uh, etc. Maybe McKenna and Cook will get a, a run out. Uh, but I do expect us to go beat Blackpool. They're, they're struggling this season, unfortunately, down there. I do I don't mind them as a as a as a club. It was a, it's a great away day last season. I'm sure Reese and Emma will have a great time at the weekend um, in a cold January, though, instead instead of a nice warm March or whenever it was we went last uh, last year. So, but no, I expect us to beat them. I think we'll beat them probably two two nil. Um, and then Wolves is a is a is a tricky one because I don't know whether you go full strength to try and get into a semi final for the first time in God knows how long, or um, we go a bit mixed because that Leicester game is is for me. I I hate to dismiss the course, but it's a bigger game. But I do think we might beat Wolves because I think they'll be thinking the exact same thing in, t- in terms of where they are. But 
I don't know what what Lopetegui's thoughts are really, but at home I do expect us to beat Wolves and probably beat them like one nil. And then Leicester, such a big game. There's going to be such a big atmosphere. I do expect goals to be honest because they could score, but they can leak as well. And then we do own one, but I I I think we might actually score more than two for a change, and I think we'll beat Leicester three one. Really on more than one goal in a game. <laughs> I'm being ambitious and optimistic. <laughs> I went last yeah. night and we won, so come on, let's go. <laughs> and finally, Reese, what are your predictions for those three games? Yeah, um, I mean, Blackpool is a game I'd expect us to win. Uh, they're, they're in the bottom three of the championship. Um, it's not, <laughs> we've pretty much made a massive dent in their ambitions by taking Josh Bolo off them, but he's now. He's gone back, back now. Um, he's gone back yeah. Now. yeah. Uh, but he can't play against us. Um, yeah, I do expect to win at Blackpool, um, and I'm going to go for a, a 3 1 win up there. Um, Wolves at home, as Adam just said, will be interesting because we've both got big games after that, which to be fair, Adam is right. You know, the, the Premier League is the bread and butter and they've got West Ham at home. So they'll be looking to probably win that more than um, beat us. But I'm sure they'll want to beat us as well. But um, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Forest winning that one. Um, I, I can see a bit of a similar night to that Huddersfield game in the Cup last season. Um, you know, we're being such a bit of a big game, really, for like the club because it's been so long since we've got to a semi final. You know, we got to the quarters last year for the first time of the FA Cup. So to get to a semi final, be, you know, another barrier Cooper's broken down. I mean, you know, how many has he broken down there? It's rather incredible. And then the Leicester game, um, it's going to be tough. It, I just got this. I just got a feeling they 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 might will again against us. I don't know what it is, um, but I am going to go for a bit closer than the cup game. I'm going to go for another two one win in that one. Um, but it wouldn't surprise if we really take the game to Leicester and put them under the kind of the same pressure as we did in the FA Cup last year. Um, and hope. I mean, God, I'd love the same outcome. Um, but any win against them would be. Because of the you know the positions of both sides, not because of this rivalry, um, would be massive for us. So, three wins in a row. Well, it'd be four wins in a row. Oh, yeah, be, um, yeah, that would um, just what the doctor ordered. But absolutely, yeah. We'll see. Uh, I think I'm going. I'm going three ways to echo what you think. I think we'll go to Blackpool. We'll win that two 0 I think. I think. Okay. Um, It'll be a spirited Blackpool display. I kind of agree with you on that front. I don't think it'll be a case of just like, you know, we we turn up, we do them like we did a lot in the last season yeah. before past them. I think, you know, it's a case of getting minutes to players who necessarily aren't starting games, keeping them sharp because by the looks of things, they will be needed, um, especially Surridge if there is anything more serious with Taiwo. So it'd be good to get some like some sharpness into him. Then Wolves, I think we'll win that one nil. I mean, Lepesige, he won Europa League with Sevilla, didn't he? I'm pretty sure. Um, yes, I think he did. Yeah, so oh, I think he, he, he'll, he won't take the cup quite seriously, I think. Because even though, you know, you said their league four was pretty perilous, I think he will still want, you know, to take that quite urgently. But, you know, City ground and home, I mean, you look, the, the cup record we had with Cooper last season, I mean, obviously we were brilliant at home and it was one of the things that made it very special. We've taken that into this season as well, especially the home form. I don't see that letting up. Um, it's Wolves as well. I, I think it'll be a great crowd as well. I think there's been a lot of like, I think it's gone. It's the only game I think this season it's got the general sale for um, 
uh, home fans. And, you know, so you have people who might not have seen Forest all season that have been desperate to go, just haven't been able to. So they'll be providing a lot of noise. So I'm hoping, yeah, we can get, win that 1-0. <laughs> If the, they'd be so good if it's a Gibbs White winner as well. Oh my Christ. Oh, <laughs> that 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 I'll be dying on that for a while. That'd be a chef's kiss, that would be. That'd yeah. be the ultimate chef's kiss, yeah. yeah. And on to Leicester, I think that I, I agree with what you said, Race. I think we'll go hell forever for that one. I think that it's weird because the pendulum sort of like struck after we beat them 4 1. It was like when they when we went to their place, they went in to have a massive point to prove, it mm. felt like. And they, again, yeah. we made it very easy for them with our shape and whatever else, but they went into that game like sniffing blood. And we've got to be exactly the same. I think I think after the way, you know, it isn't so much, I don't, I, it's, I don't see it as a rivalry. It's not a rivalry at all, but no one likes fucking shipping four goals. So I think that. No. If it, if it happens to City, you can sort of mm, half take it on the chin. It's still going to bloody hurt. But at least you can take it the fact that it's like a really exceptionally good side. When you take it to like, you know, in fact, it's quite funny. Actually, we saw that article, didn't we? Which you, you've had some, don't want to call them happy clappers. We've had some fans who have been like, oh, we're expected to get smacked around the place, you know, or lose to these big clubs. And like, and they, because they're big, better than us. And like, the, <laughs> the article said it's like watching a pile up on the motorway and just like admiring this modern technology of airbags, <laughs> um, which is spot on, really, because you like, you know, we shouldn't be going to these places and just expecting to get bass and it's wrong. But that Leicester game was bad because one, we were hideous, and two, I think like, there'll be a lot of players who want to prove that look, we aren't this fucking bad. So we're not going to let you do that to us twice. And I'm hoping it'll be like the second half against Chelsea, but for two halves, if we can manage that. So I'm going to go for a 2 1 win as well, which would put us on four wins in a row, which would lead us in going to the Bournemouth game very nicely. And, um, Hopefully, when that podcast comes around, we'll be saying about how we've got our second Premier League away win. But we will soon see. Oh, wait, Adam, do you want to interject or Just before you uh, finish, we are going to try and do a Leicester preview space on Twitter. Um, we will try, we'll put some details out close to the time, but I will also try and look for a, for a Leicester fan to talk to and do a, do a separate episode. But I thought it'd be something new to try and something to get more people, more fans involved have their say whether they want to be daft or not. That'd be, I'm sure it'd be hilarious. Yeah, we'll probably cover the cup, probably cover the Wolves game because it'd probably be the day after that, wouldn't it? Maybe. Um, yeah, and then we can get all the daft space, to give yeah. us our, their predictions for, for Leicester, which <laughs> would be hilarious. We want, the, we want these toxic Everton fans coming. <laughs> so yeah, um, that, that's um, what I wanted to say. We'll 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 have a look, but just we'll look out for some details about that. Yeah. We'll uh, work next out some week. logistics. And yeah. yeah. But yeah, until that point, obviously we'll be with you soon. But yes, come on, your reds. A great win in the bag. Let's go get another one. Just a quick one as well from all of us on this podcast. This is something that we all share and it's something that myself and I'm sure the other guys have noticed as well is that a lot of people, especially Forest fans, as that's what mostly I do have on my Twitter, um, seeming to struggle a little bit with their mental health at the minute. You know, if you are struggling... Um, by all means, message the pod and one of us will reply to you or message somebody on Twitter, you know, use the forest timeline with the hashtag or just to make sure you talk to somebody rather than doing anything silly. Um, there is plenty of options out there. You know, if you also want to talk to someone in confidence, there's, you know, charities like Mind who will help you. Um, but just make sure you just talk to somebody rather than, you know, doing anything silly. I think that's um, an important message to relay um, to anybody who listens to the pod who might be struggling at this time. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.